In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Unless you are a church nerd like me, you may not be aware that there is a rich vein of resources out there under the heading of Parallel Gospels. Generally, the Gospels in parallel take the stories and parables of Jesus from each Gospel writer and place them side by side so that you can compare and contrast. When you study scripture this way, you can see more clearly the priorities that say Matthew has in his version of a story versus Mark or Luke's version. The organizing principle that these parallel gospel resources takes is all over the board. The most common compare the four canonical gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some only include the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Then there are gospel parallels that expand the comparisons to include one or more of the non-canonical gospels, say the Gospel of Thomas, for instance. And then there are those gospel parallels that attempt to harmonize the different versions of the gospel stories. This is an effort to bring all of the versions under one roof and force them to coexist in peace. And if you think about it, we almost instinctively harmonize the gospel stories ourselves. Take the birth narratives, which our adorable children act out in a wonderful and entertaining nativity pageant each year. There, we meld the details from Luke and Matthew's accounts, which are quite distinct, into one big happy story. Today, our gospel passage is Jesus teaching the Beatitudes. And because we are quite familiar with the Beatitudes, those almost poetic, blessed are declarations of Jesus, we tend to harmonize them as well without even thinking about it. But there are two versions of the Beatitudes and Luke's version, which we hear today, is quite distinct from Matthew's. Matthew's Beatitudes kick off Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has gone up a mountain and looking down teaches the disciples and crowd from there as if to emphasize his authority as the new Moses. Luke's beatitude are part of Jesus' sermon on the plain. Here Jesus speaks from a level place with his disciples as if to emphasize his eminence among us. In Matthew, Jesus speaks in the third person, as one does when making lofty statements for mass consumption. In Luke, he speaks in the second person, as one does when looking someone right in the eye because the words are meant for him or her. Matthew has eight beatitudes that emphasize the spiritual conditions to which Jesus brings hope and blessing. Luke has only four. And these address the painful condition of those who are literally poor, hungry, grieving, and despised. And so when we unconsciously harmonize the Beatitudes, we tend to prioritize Matthew's version because the truth is that Matthew's version is much easier for us to swallow. It is much easier to put a little more distance between ourselves and Jesus' teaching when it's coming down to the masses from on high rather than when he's looking us in the eye and addressing us personally. 
it's much easier to understand the blessing in spiritual poverty and hunger than the blessing in actual poverty and hunger. But Luke won't let us get away with that. He won't let us squirm away from or ignore Jesus' teaching. He tells us, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are hungry, blessed are you who weep, and blessed are you when people hate you. We who are not poor or hungry or hated may find ourselves offended by this observation. We spend a lot of time and energy avoiding these states. And finding blessing in these states is totally inconsistent with our experience of the world. And yet it is perfectly consistent with Jesus' message from the beginning of this gospel. Mary's Magnificat sets the tone. Carrying the Christ child within her, Mary burst into her song of praise of God. He has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And then as Jesus begins his ministry by teaching in the hometown synagogue, he reads the scroll of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And if we would still use mental gymnastics to diffuse or neutralize this teaching, we are stopped short by the example of Jesus' life. Jesus didn't just talk about poverty, hunger, weeping, or being hated. He embodied them. His beatitudes are almost an autobiographical reflection as if Jesus is saying, this is who I am. And so this is what relationship with me looks like, what residing in God's kingdom looks like. Jesus was poor. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was born in a stable and fled as a refugee to Egypt. In his first sermon in the synagogue, he proclaimed good news for the poor and he expressed special affection for those who like himself owned nothing. He lived off the hospitality of others. Jesus was hungry. During his 40 day temptation in the wilderness, he ate nothing and we're told that he was famished. And when Satan tempted him with bread, Jesus responded, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. And he tells us the story of poor Lazarus who longed to satisfy his hunger with the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. In Jesus' kingdom, Lazarus finds himself in the loving bosom of God, while the rich man who ignored his need is cast out. And Jesus addresses his hunger most directly in the parable of the sheep and goats. To those who end up in the goat line, Jesus explains, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. 
Jesus wept. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, he looked out over the throngs of people gathered for the Passover festival, and he wept over the city. After arriving in Bethany and confirming that his dear friend Lazarus had died, before he took any other action, Jesus wept. And in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his arrest, Jesus prayed to God with frightening intensity, distressed, agitated, and grieved unto death. And Jesus was hated. He was so hated by the authorities, the establishment, respectable society, that early in his ministry, they began plotting to be rid of him. He was betrayed by one of his handpicked disciples. He was insulted, mocked, taunted, and beaten. He was deserted, and he died a scandalous death. So, for you and I, who are generally rich, full, laughing, and respected, where is today's good news? How do we avoid the territory of the woes? The way for us to find ourselves within the blessing that Jesus proclaims in the Beatitudes is to place ourselves among those who are poor, hungry, weeping, and rejected. We don't have to force ourselves into these categories, but we need to spend less time and energy protecting ourselves from these categories. Jesus is telling us that the kingdom is not accessible to those of us who do all that we can to avoid inhabiting these blessed states. And so we engage those who are poor, sharing our resources to ease their burdens. We work to provide for those who are hungry. This means participating in the direct provision of food, yes, but it also means working to change systems that keep folks in poverty and hunger. We sit and bear witness with those who mourn. We don't become impatient with their pain or tell them to snap out of it, to move on, to cheer up. We open ourselves so that in our vulnerability, we might know more the reality of our brothers and sisters. Yes, this means we will experience more pain and loss, and we will share the burden, lightening it for others, and in the process, grow our own hearts. And it means standing on our integrity and character and our discernment of what is honoring of God, even when it puts us in uncomfortable positions with others. Even if it means we're not included on the invite list or asked to be part of the group or acknowledged with the honor or grow our business or personal wealth at the rate that we had hoped. If we hope to enter the kingdom that Jesus proclaims, we have to actively place ourselves in the presence of these states that Jesus calls blessed. If you feel convicted and want to take steps toward placing yourself in these spaces, you can start by checking out the outreach and pastoral care pages on our website for opportunities. Or reach out to any of we clergy. We would be happy to get you connected.
The irony is that in committing ourselves to involvement in actual poverty, hunger, mourning, and rejection, the focus of Luke's Beatitudes, we will grow in the spiritual conditions that are the focus of Matthew's Beatitudes. Then we'll have a harmonizing of these two accounts that not only honors God, but shapes us more into the followers of Jesus we are created to be. Amen.